scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Peter 5, 1 through 14. Now as an elder myself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to this eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Through Silvanus, whom I consider a faithful brother, I have written this short letter to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Your sister church in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends your greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. This is the Sunday I think the church should say amen because we've come about First Peter a few weeks back. We said this is where our meditation comes from. The first five chapters of First Peter. Some of the time we'll do Second Peter because starting next Sunday we shall jump into another series talking about stewardship. So this is the end of our meditation on First Peter. And I pray that every one of us, members of the congregation, had a time to have read the five chapters in the epistle of Peter to the scattered Christians in the first century. So the quiz for today is, give me one word you learn from First Peter. Just one word. I didn't say you should look at me. I said just give me a word. Somebody's talking. Peace? Okay. Humility? I know you didn't come to church for this, but you have a different kind of pastor. Yes. Pardon? Hope? Love, grace, you, thank you, suffering, because all the answers I got first, they talk like Christians, and I wanted one word from First Peter. We've talked about it over and over, suffering. These Christians were suffering because of their faith. And that's why Peter, Peter wrote them 
to encourage them, to comfort them, to let them know they are not alone. And we know when we read the fifth chapter of Peter, 1 Peter, we know that Peter, no doubt, is one of the disciples of Jesus Christ who embodies best that the Christian way of life is not all about what's up here in the head. It's not just about knowledge. But rather, our faith is all about what's in the heart. And our hearts guide all that we do in demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ among our brothers and our sisters and among those we don't even know. It is a heart problem. It is not necessarily a head problem because in the world today, you have a lot of people who have a knowledge about Jesus Christ. They know about Jesus Christ. But like Wesley, their hearts are not strangely warm yet because they don't believe in Jesus Christ. Peter helps us to understand that we are not saved to feel good about ourselves. Because at times that's what we think in the church. We are saved to feel good about ourselves. Peter makes us understand, no, we are saved to serve. Every Sunday, when we enter this sanctuary, we enter to do one thing. And what is that one thing? To worship. That's the reason why we enter the sanctuary every Sunday morning. And every Sunday, after we finish worship, we go out of the sanctuary to do what? To spread the word, to serve. We enter to worship, we depart to serve. And therefore we are saved as Christians in order for us to serve. If you are not serving, something is wrong. I'll use our sister Jane who is here this morning. Many years ago she was saved. And few years ago, after service within the United States, God called her to serve out of the United States. So every day, she wakes up in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, she is serving. She was not saved so that she can say, I feel good about myself. And Christians, whether you are away or at home, you are saved so that you can be of service. I remember Zig Ziglar telling the story of going to Washington, D.C., and visiting the Washington Monument. He walked up to the front of the line. No, he, he, he was in the line, and to him, the line was like a mile long. And we know how that feels. If, if you've gone to Disney, it's, it's, all, it's the same thing. In fact, at Disney, you stand waiting for a longer period than riding. And Zig Ziglar thought the, the, the line to the Washington Monument at that time was like a mile long. He walked up to the front to hear 
what the guide was saying. And the guide announced that there would be a two-hour wait just to ride the elevator to the top of the monument. Then with a smile on his face, the guide said, there is no one waiting to go up to the top of the monument if you are willing to take the stairs. My friends, if you want, if, if you went to Wall Street, for example, and asked the question, what is the secret of greatness? Wall Street would say, money and lots of it. If you were to go to Washington, D.C. and ask, what is the secret of greatness? They would say, political clout and lots of it. If you were to go to Hollywood and ask, what is the secret of greatness? Hollywood would say, fame. But the greatest man who ever lived, his name is Jesus the Christ, had a different answer. He says to all those who believe in him, whoever wants to become great must be servant to others. Christians, if you want to become great, you must be a servant to the people around you. Success and greatness in the kingdom of God is far different than what it is on planet Earth. In the kingdom of God, there is no easy way. There is no easy elevator to the top. To get to the top in God's kingdom and in God's eyes, you've got to take the stairway of service. That's the key. Jesus said again, for even I didn't come to be served, but serve others and give my life as a ransom for many. The secret of greatness in the kingdom of God is not how many servants we have, but what kind of servant you are. Are you able to serve others? The Apostle Peter, in this epistle, encourages fellow believers to be firm in their faith, even in the midst of them experiencing punishment and pain and persecution. Peter says, be firm in your faith, be strong. And that's the message we give to Christians all over the world, especially us in the United States, because we don't suffer for our faith. We worship freely. 
But there are Christians all over the world, like the first century Christians, who are in pain and punishment and being persecuted for their faith. And our message to them is, be firm in your faith. Be strong in the Lord. And that's the message Peter sends in the first century. And so in this last chapter of his first epistle, the apostle Peter challenges his readers. He challenges his readers as following. Number one, he says, be caring. That's what the kids were told this morning. Care for one another. Be caring. That's what Peter says. Because in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, he says, Now, as an elder myself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. In other words, Peter was saying, take care of God's people. You see, he was writing to the elders, meaning people who are in ministry. In the United Methodist Church, you go to college, you go to seminary, then you go through the candidacy process, then you are ordained a deacon. Then after that, you are ordained an elder. So Peter is using the word elder to mean pastors. And Peter says to, to, to those pastors, all the people in your charge, take care of them. And we as Methodists, we believe in what Wesley says. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. Therefore, you and also a minister. And as a minister, take care of one another. That's the encouragement from Peter this morning. Take care of one another. Friends, do you have somebody who is a Christian, somebody who is not a Christian that you take care of? Somebody that you pray for every day? Somebody that you, you check on? Somebody whose welfare you take at heart? Peter said, be caring. Secondly, in verse, in verse 3, Peter said, be careful. Because he says, do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And if we believe in the priesthood of all believers, whether you are a Sunday school teacher or a youth leader, or whatever position you have in the church, Peter says to you and to me, do not lord it over those in your church, but be example to the flock. In other words, be careful with the people you are with, whether they are Christians or pre-Christians, non-Christians. Be careful with them. I don't think that is too hard for us to understand, my friends. Then thirdly, he talks about the crown. Peter says in verse 4, And when the, chief priest, when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. Oh, my friends, Christians, there is always something for us with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here in 1 Peter, 
Peter talks about a crown for every Christian who are caring and who, are, who carefully take care of one another. Peter says, when the chief priest appear, who is the chief priest? Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ appears, says Peter, you will win the crown of glory that never, never fades away. My friends, this is an encouraging statement for pastors to discharge their duties faithfully, cheerfully, and in a humble manner in anticipation of the appearance of Christ, who is the chief shepherd. The crown of glory. What is the crown of glory? My friends, we read that those who shepherd the flock of God properly will also receive a reward in addition to the gift of their salvation. Because we all have salvation because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is more. And there in 1 Peter, it is the unfading crown of glory. It will come to the faithful. It will come to the faithful, my friends. And in the end, this reward will be for God's glory. For one day, we will cast the, these crowns at the foot of his throne in worship. How many crowns do you think we have in the Bible for Christians, for believers? How many crowns? If you tell me somebody's going to take you to Red Lobster. Not me, but somebody. How, how many crowns? Pardon? Unlimited crowns. All the time. Okay, that's your homework. That's your homework. Go find out how many crowns we have in the Bible. Because Christians are going to be given crowns. Here in Peter, it is the crown of glory that doesn't fade away. So that's your assignment. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and Paul talks about the crown of righteousness. Okay? So there are three more. And that's your assignment. You write me an email with all the crowns. But I can tell you the number. We have five crowns waiting for believers. It's in the Bible. Five crowns. I just gave you two. The crown of glory in 1 Peter 5. The crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy 4. You find the other three and let the pastor smile. Because this guy, I was told, doesn't smile. But if you send me the three, I promise you I will smile. Amen? So Peter talks about the crown. Peter says, those of us who are caring, those of us who take care of one another, their sinners will be given to us. In fact, Paul says the crown of righteousness will be given to us. Peter says we will win the crown of glory, which doesn't fade. And Peter was thinking about the Olympics, where people win crowns that fades away. But Peter said, this doesn't fade. It is an everlasting crown. 
Then in verse 5, Peter says, be considerate. He says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you must clothe yourself with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Be considerate, says Peter. In verse 6, he gives us a challenge. And what is the challenge in verse 6? He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that, you may ex so that he may exalt you in due time. In other words, Christians, we need to be humble. Let the church say amen. Humility counts. It is a mark of our maturity as Christians. Then Peter says, be courageous in verses 8 and 9. In verses 10 and 11, he says, be confident. And he gives us a conclusion in verses 12 through 14. And the conclusion, he says, through Silvanus, whom I consider a faithful brother, I have written this short letter to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Your sister, your sister church in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings. And so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Sylvanus was a friend. Mark was a son. Do you know what Mark is referring to? I want you to go home knowing something. He's, he called Mark a son. Who is that? Peter has a son called Mark. Who is that? John Mark, the person who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And that is why if you study the Gospel of Mark, you will know that the source from where Mark got information to write the Gospel came from Peter. Because you remember, Mark was not a disciple of Jesus Christ, but he wrote as information came, knew Jesus Christ. And when you study the Gospel of Mark, we know the information came from Peter. Amen? My friends, everything created by God was created for a purpose. And you were created for a purpose. And that purpose for us this morning is ministry. God desi designed you to make a difference in the world around you. Be a different person. You are saved to serve. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. And if you have that this morning, my friends, you are saved to serve. Let us remember that the world is looking up to us Christians, and all over the world we are serving, hospitals, colleges, universities, missionaries, 
agricultural project. All over the world we are serving. My challenge to us this morning as saved Christians is to go out and be of service to the people around you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God's servant say, Amen. Amen.